thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on March 6, 2022. Do you all attend like school homecomings and reunions and things like that? I personally never have been to one. The dates have never worked out for me, and I don't think I was really all that excited about it anyway. People tell me they're sometimes great events. Other people have told me they've gone and they've been very disappointed by them. Today's passage tells us of a time that Jesus went home. It was like a homecoming back to Nazareth, the town that he had grown up in. And it started out very, very well, amazingly well, as a matter of fact. But it turned bad quickly in a hurry. And we're going to study that today. Let me set the scene for you before we read scripture. After his baptism and testing, Jesus began to teach and preach and heal, primarily in the region right around the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum became his home spot for teaching. And because of his teaching and his miracles, so different than anything else the people had seen, his fame spread very, very rapidly. And a few months later, he returned home to Nazareth, the town that he had grown up in. It's only about 30 miles away, and so word of mouth had filtered down there, and they'd heard of his teaching, but even more so of his miracles. And they wanted to see some of the same in Nazareth. He spoke well, very well, in synagogue. And at first, the people were amazed, and you could almost hear the buzz in the worship service. Hey, isn't this Jesus, the, the, the son of Mary and Joseph? Didn't he grow up? Isn't he one of us? Isn't he doing incredible? Isn't he amazing? But at the same time, they had a frustration. He didn't do many miracles in Nazareth like he had done in Capernaum. And their frustration turned to anger when Jesus called out their attitude about that. He explained to them why he had come, but they just wanted the signs and wonders. Do something incredible. And he didn't do it. They grew angry. They ran him out of synagogue, ran him out of town, even tried to kill him. But it wasn't his time. And so you see this. Incredible shift. Love and devotion and pride and amazement and then anger and hatred and rejection. You see that today. Because very few people are neutral about Jesus. They either love him or they think he's a fraud. They either are completely devoted to him or they're not interested in him at all and could care less and, and, and even feel antipathy toward him and his people. And I want you to make your decision where you stand. There are people in the middle, and I guess if you're in the middle on Jesus, I'm asking you to get out and decide what you believe, honestly and truly. What side of the Jesus question are you on? So with that kind of introduction, I want you to to pay attention to this passage. Luke very purposely put it first in his whole chapters on The ministry of Jesus, he chose this story to tell us first. 
because it really explains who he is, why he came, and what his message was. So let's stand and read Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30, Jesus coming home to Nazareth. And here's how it reads. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. And Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. You may be seated. Now, that, that is a great passage, and it's very important that we understand it because this explains a lot about who Jesus is, what he came to, to, to do, where his focus was, and it really summarizes the teaching of Jesus. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, then we need to know exactly why he came, what his focus is, what his message is, and why people respond the way they do with either devotion or, in that case, hatred. And so I want to start with his message, and his message is good news. It's what the gospel means, good news. So on this day, as was his custom, he went to synagogue, and he was asked as a traveling rabbi to read the scripture. And so they handed him the scroll. Don't think of a Bible. Um, think of a scroll. It's kind of added to the drama of the moment as he carefully unrolled this scroll to the passage he wanted to read from Isaiah 61, a passage about the year of the Lord's favor. And he read and he proclaimed that that passage had just then been fulfilled. Now that's an amazing claim, and we'll get to how amazing that is in a minute. But note what Jesus claimed about his message. 
He said, God has anointed me to preach good news. And he went on, I've got good news for the poor, I've got freedom for prisoners, I've got sight to the blind, I've got release from suffering to the oppressed. And he made it clear that they knew, I've come with good news, not bad news. I want you to understand, because sometimes we say this wrong. Our message is a message of good news. We are not here to proclaim that we are sending people to hell, but to give directions to heaven. We're not here to judge sinners, but to offer forgiveness and love. We don't pretend that we're better than others. We admit we're all sinners in need of God's grace. We don't offer hatred. We offer unconditional love to all people. Our message is one of good news. And that's why Jesus came. The only bad news part of the element is the things we already know. You're sinners. You got problems. You got issues. You got troubles. The good news is, I've come to solve that problem for you. I've come to change you. I've come to love you. I've come to forgive you. I've come to set you free from the things that hold you prisoner. Now, unfortunately, I hear our message sometimes from the church given as bad news. And we have to be very careful how we proclaim it because the gospel is good news. So we don't go to the poor and tell them it's your fault that you're poor. We say, come and enjoy God's riches. He loves you. Don't tell prisoners just, you got what you deserve, but it's come and enjoy God's mercy and forgiveness. Don't let the addicts hear what sometimes the world tells them, you're, you're scum. Tell them how to be set free in Jesus. Don't tell sinners, you better straighten up or you're going to hell. Instead, tell them, look, faith in Jesus will change who you are deep inside, will offer you real forgiveness, and you can now be, with God's help, the man or the woman you've always wanted to be and never could become. We need to remember that the message of Jesus is one of good news, not bad news. And so start with that message. It's good news. And then I want you to see what Jesus said, his target and his focus, and that was on hurting people. His focus wasn't on the rich, although he didn't ignore the rich. His focus wasn't on the physically, spiritually, and emotionally healthy, although he didn't ignore them. He quoted Isaiah to say, look, I'm here to help the poor. I'm here to focus on the prisoners. I'm here to care about the blind. I'm here to care about the oppressed, the hurting people of the world. Those are the ones for which I've come. Look at the Gospels, and you will see this in how he ministered. In this chapter alone, and we'll get to all these stories, he casts a demon out of a crazy man. He heals a woman with a high fever. He lays his hands on many sick and, and hurting people. In the next chapter, he calls four fishermen to follow him. He heals a leper and then an entire crowd of sick people. He heals a paralyzed man who was dropped through the roof right in front of him. And then he ends up going to a banquet with tax collectors and sinners. He focused, and you'll see this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the stories of Jesus. He focused primarily on the needy, the hurting, and the sinful. And so must we. We share a human tendency. It's part of our nature to think only about us 
and ours. And so we focus on me and my people, my family, my nation. Jesus has a different focus. And we need to understand it. Jesus may, not neglecting us in any way, shape, or form, but his focus this week may be more on Ukraine than on us. Because that's where people are hurting. He may cry for the people of Haiti. A typical person in Haiti makes less money in one entire year than the typical American makes in a week. His heart may hurt for the people of Nicaragua, where gangs and rape and violence are destroying families on an almost routine basis. He may focus on the people of Czechoslovakia, where an amazing 78% of the people claim to have no religion, no faith whatsoever. He may hurt for Afghanistan, where there are today zero known Christian churches. His heart may focus on Syria, where it is against the law to tell the story of Jesus in an effort to bring someone to faith in him, and where believers who do so are routinely abducted and killed. See, the heart of Jesus was for hurting people. And we have to resist the urge to think of nations and people groups only in military or political terms. Don't think of them as allies or enemies. Begin to think like Jesus and understand God cares for them, God loves them, Jesus died for them, and they are people who are hurting in the world who need Jesus. Now, if you're hurting, then I want you to understand that Jesus' focus is especially on you today. Because that's who Jesus came for. I'm not particularly hurting. As a matter of fact, I'm feeling extremely blessed today in, in many ways. And God does not neglect me. But his focus, his heart, his love... His extra care, his extra attention, Jesus said, those are the ones that I've come to help, care for, love, preach to, and give good news. And for those of who are blessed, we need to learn to look at people like Jesus and focus not just on the blessed people like us, but especially on the hurting. They need God more than anyone. And Jesus said very specifically, look, I've come with good news, but my good news is to give sight to the blind, to release for the prisoners, to care for the afflicted, to give good news to the poor. And so his message is good news. His focus is the hurting. But I also want you to understand the ultimate truth he shared here in this preaching that he gave the, the synagogue in, in uh, Nazareth. His ultimate truth was himself. Now, this was one of the most dramatic scenes, though it's a quiet scene. It's really one of the most dramatic scenes, I think, in the New Testament. So I want you to understand it. 
At first, there's just pride. Hey, I think they're going to ask Jesus to, to speak today. He grew up down the street from me. He was my neighbor. Remember, this was a small town, 400 people. Everybody would know Mary and Joseph and Jesus. If not on a first-name basis, they, they, they knew that this, this is one of us, and they're going to ask him to preach. I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. So you, so you had this kind of built-in pride. It's kind of building to a climax. As the attendant maybe said something like, hey, we have as our guest today one of our own. He's becoming well-known as a rabbi. Let's... Uh, Jesus, come on up here and read scripture for us and give us a few words. So the attendant hands him the scroll and he rolls it till he gets to that and he reads the passage. Then he rolls it back up, gives it to the attendant, and he sits down, which was the custom back then. Rabbis would usually stand to read scripture and then sit to comment on it. And the verse says, all the eyes were on him. I mean, even the children are paying attention. And he says, today, this has been fulfilled. I am the one to bring it to pass. I am he. And that took a minute for them to understand what he was saying. At first, they're just amazed by his gracious speaking. But he began to say, listen, I am the, the, the focus. I am not just the son of Mary and Joseph, as you suppose. I am not just a fellow Nazarene. I am not just your neighbor. I am the Messiah. I am he. I am. And that is the ultimate truth that Jesus came to share. That he is not just a man. That he is the son of God. That is the, and I tell you this often because I want you to hear it. That is the ultimate truth of Christianity. It's not primarily about morals, although there is very much a moral aspect to it. It's not primarily about doctrine, although doctrine is very important to us. The ultimate truth of the Christian faith is that Jesus is God. And, and so that's what he's saying here today. I am the Messiah, I am the Son of God, I am He, I am the One. Now I want you to think about that statement for a minute, because either it's true, or it's the craziest, most arrogant statement made by any human being at any time, and you need to understand that. I mean, what would you think? If I come up here, it's my turn to preach, pretty much every Sunday, I guess, and I, and I come up and I open the scripture and I say, this was written about me. I am the Messiah, the Son of God. If you didn't interrupt me in service, I guarantee the deacons are going to meet me afterwards. And some of you are going to go to him, we got to get this guy out of here, or we need to get him help. Maybe he needs to go to an institution. Maybe he needs counseling. Maybe something has clicked in his brain, and he, he's, he's, he's crazy. He's weird. Something is wrong with Jack. <laughs> Those of you staff members who just said amen, we will have a meeting this week. No. 
But I want you to understand it because sometimes we get so used to the Bible that we lose the impact of what it's saying. Jesus is standing in front of a congregation and claiming to be the Son of God. And that is either the most arrogant, crazy, weird thing ever said by any human being or it's true. And you and I have to decide what we believe. It was a statement like this that led C.S. Lewis to say, and I know I've used this before, and it's one of his favorite things, where he said, look, you read what Jesus said about himself, and there's only three possible conclusions. Either he is the Lord, or he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. I mean, either it's true, he's the Lord. Or he's a liar and he was using it for some crazy purpose. If that was his purpose, it didn't work out too well because he was killed. Or he's a lunatic. He's a crazy man. There is no other logical conclusion for someone who claims to be, I am the son of God. And you and I have to come to a conclusion as to what we believe about that. And I encourage you to think about that. And to dwell on that. And to make your decision. Because his truth really was about himself. And you and I have to decide. Now up to now, as they begin to think about that, those who had been oppressed and amazed ultimately turned to anger because he challenged their thinking and he gave them an explanation that upset them when he taught them, listen, it's not about you. He knew their hearts and he told them, look, I know what you're thinking. Why haven't I done the miracles here in Nazareth that I did in Capernaum? And, and isn't he just a local boy? You know, one of us, nothing special. I mean, a good man, but nothing much more than that. And he kind of looked at him and he, and he taught them, listen, it's not about you. You've heard about the miracles. You just came today because you wanted to see some. You just came because you wanted me to perform for you and do something amazing. And Jesus never did miracles to impress people or to prove his power. He healed people because he loved people. He fed hungry people because he cared about them. He was not a performer. He was not a magician. He was not a signs and wonders guy. And he made clear they understood, if that's all you want from me, a sign and a wonder, I ain't going to give it to you. You're going to be disappointed. And then he told them things that no Jew would like because they saw themselves as special. We are uniquely loved. God's plan was to use them to share his love to others. They just thought, no, we're, we're the chosen ones. We're the special ones. And he said, don't you remember even in your own scriptures the time in which God could not find a Jew to do his work on? And he gave two examples here. How about in the time of Elijah when God had to go to a Gentile woman in order to do something special? Or when Elisha healed healed a Syrian leper. Weren't there Jewish lepers? Yes, listen, Jews and especially Nazarenes, you are not the only ones. The world does not revolve around you. I'm not going to do any miracles just to impress you. You've got to decide whether or not you believe I am the one and only son of God. Quit bragging about how special you are. And repent of your sins and turn to faith in God. Listen, I, I believe that God wants to tell Americans the same. You Americans think way too highly of yourselves. You act like it's 
all about you. The world does not revolve around the United States of America. And I think God wants to tell us, listen, though, though I blessed you highly, don't take it for granted. You are not my only love. And my blessings are not guaranteed for your future. So the old saying, get off your high horse. Cut your arrogance. Quit acting like it's all about you. I love you. I died for you. But you've got to decide whether you believe in me. Not because I'll bless you. Because I hear that a lot. Turn to God so he will continue to bless us and pour out his abundance on us. No, turn to God because he is God, not because of what he will do for us. So his explanation, and it made them mad and it upset them, but it's not really about you. And if that's just what you want from me, signs and wonders, I am not going to give them to you. And the Nazarenes did not respond well to his blunt talk. So their response was anger and rejection. And it was so deep that they tried to kill him. He didn't allow it because it wasn't his time. His ministry was not done. But we have this sad paradox. Though Jesus was a Jew, most Jews rejected him. And of all the Jews, the ones that should have accepted him the most, the Nazarenes, because they had seen his character and they knew how he grew up and they could see his perfection. They rejected him and wanted to kill him because he wouldn't do and say what they wanted him to do and say. Now, again, I want you to understand the, the parallel in America. Of all people on earth, we have been the most blessed. The United States of America has more churches, more preachers, more Bibles, more Christian resources than all the rest of the world combined. We have been more blessed. We have been given more freedom. And yet we're turning away from God. And so we have to decide what we really believe and why we believe it. Because you're beginning to see the same thing in America that happened in Nazareth that people are beginning to reject Jesus and even grow angry at the message of the cross. So what's our response? I'll give you in response what really has become a social media term, though it was a, a, a biblical term before that. I'm going to ask you to choose to either follow or unfollow Jesus. Listen, I know way too many of people, and, and sometimes they're even churchgoers, who are in the maybe camp. Yeah, there, there's something to this, but I'm not ready to jump in with both feet. I also know too many people who are in the camp like the Nazarenes. I won't follow Jesus because he didn't do what I asked him to do. And I want to tell you again, listen, Jesus is God. He's not a performer. He will do for you more than you will ever know. He will forgive your sin, give you a life worth living, give you purpose and meaning, lead you to personal growth, 
growth. It will change who you are deep down on the inside. He will stay with you forever, so you will never be alone, even if others reject you. He will teach you a love that is deeper than anything you could ever comprehend. He will take you home to be with him when you die, and he will be with you forever, but he will not do miracles just to amaze you. He will not answer prayers just so you can say, oh, okay, I got what I wanted. He is Lord, and he wants you to choose him because he is Lord. And so make a real decision, not a partway one, not a Sunday morning decision, not a decision to impress the people at the church, not to make Pastor Jack happily. Make a decision. I'm going to follow or I'm going to unfollow Jesus. And if you're going to do it, do it all the way. And so those of us who say, I will follow Jesus, we need to be like Jesus by taking the good news to hurting people. Look, care for all people. But like Jesus, focus on the ones who need it the most. The sick, the hurting, the grieving, the homeless, the addicted, the refugees, the broken. Make it your personal ministry or join a ministry which is designed to help people like that. And then tell them the good news of Jesus. And do it in our neighborhood. Do it in our country. Do it across a border. Do it overseas. Adopt the heart of Jesus. And when you do, you begin to see hurting people everywhere. And you realize it's not just about me. I am far more blessed than most. And so my calling in life has to take the good news of Jesus to hurting people. Because that's who he is and that's what he did. And if we're going to be like Jesus, that's our call. I talked to several people today. I don't mean today, I mean this week. Who are looking for the perfect church. Some of them have been to like 15, 20, 25 churches. It's like their joy, their fun. I'm going to go to a different church today. I've heard they got really good music. I've heard they got a really good preacher. I've heard they got really nice chairs. I don't know, really nice carpet. I don't know, really nice whatever. We need to be reminded it's not about us. It's about Jesus and our call and our task is to gather together to communicate the good news of Jesus to the people who need it the most. Find a church like that, jump in, and let's be the Jesus that the world really needs today. And if you can't join this church because it doesn't have everything you need, go find one that does. But make sure it's a church that is helping hurting people in the name of Jesus and sharing the love of Jesus with them. That's our call. That's who we are. Are you ready to follow? Because it's a choice you've got to make. You're going to follow or you're going to unfollow Jesus. There is no category in the middle. It's one or the other. And if you're ready, we would be more than honored to help you with that. You can come forward. There will be people here who will pray with you. You can let us know on a connection card, and we'll meet at a time that's good for you and tell you more about the next step in following Jesus. Let's stand together, and let's pray. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. 
You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net, and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.